0: Good morning everybody, welcome to Community Life Church, whether you're here in our family room or joining us online, we are so excited to share the Sunday morning with you. My name is Nikki Cruz, I'm the youth director here, (laughs) and we have such a great service in store for you this morning. We've got a high school senior recognition, we've got a baptism video that's just going to blow you away, and um, we are just so thankful that you have joined us. If you will, um, please stand with me this morning. We love to open our services by uh, aligning our hearts and praying the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Father God, we give this time back to you, Lord, thankful for an opportunity to gather together. God, as we join our hearts, God, we ask that you would just fill us with your presence, Lord. That that you would surround us with your spirit, Lord, and that we could leave behind the things that we've been carrying with us this week, Lord, the burdens, the struggles, the heartaches, Lord, that we would lay it down at your feet this morning and instead we could pick up your peace, God, your joy. Lord, that the fruits of your spirit would abound within us this morning. God, we love you and we are grateful for you. Amen.
1: I'm gonna invite you for just a moment to take a seat. We're going to just, we want to, before we start worship this morning, we want to show you the amazing baptism video from last weekend. 56 people were baptized. Isn't that amazing? So excited about that. So uh, just watch this video before we um, worship.
2: the darkness fades into new beginnings, as we lift our eyes to a hope beyond. All creation
3: waits with an expectation to declare the
2: Awesome.
1: Let's stand now and we're just going to go to the Lord with our worship. Let's just open up our hearts. That's our prayer today is that he would just be, he's in us and that he would just come uh, show up special in this place this morning. Rest on us this morning, Lord.
3: Moving over the waters, spirit come over lights. Come rest all night, come rest all nights as the spirit was moving over the waters, spirit come move, over, rise. come rest all night, come rest. On Still
4: to start our day lifting our voices, being encouraged uh, by that and just remembering um, who it is we worship here this morning. So I wanna read this a uh, couple verses just over us as we um, just continue on in, in song and in praise and, and being reminded of, um, again, who it is that we get to sing to you this morning. And so this is from Hebrews chapter 10. It says, therefore, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who has promised is faithful. And just a reminder of that, that there are so many things that we could choose to put our confidence in, our faith in, our hope in, um, but they cannot hold it. Um, If it's something of this world, if it's something of ourselves, if it's something even another person, it's just not uh, meant for something as heavy as as what our lives are um, to the Lord. And so Jesus is worthy of it. Jesus can handle it. Jesus is faithful. Uh, His promises have never failed, not once. And so we're reminded of that this morning, um, that we can build our life in him. We can put our hope in him and our trust in him. So let's worship this morning.
3: the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, oh, we live for you. And holy, there is no reason like you, there is none beside you.
1: presence in this place this morning. Uh, God, we just open up our hearts to you for everything that you have for us today through the message that you would just um, open our eyes to see, make us hungry. Uh, Let there just be a desire for more of you. And we thank you for already moving in this place. We can sense that you're so near um, to each and every one who might be heavy of heart this morning, that your peace would just be uh, on us today. Uh, And we just thank you for for being here and for showing up in us and through us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Can everybody say amen? amen? Before you're seated this morning, turn around, maybe find somebody new that you don't know and then welcome them to church this morning.
2: I'm
5: All right, one more time. Can we give all of our graduating seniors a big round of applause? Yay! Uh, We are so excited um, for this class that's coming out. They have all of the promise that God has given them in this world, and you can hear some of them are even here celebrating it along with you. Um, Here's the one thing I would say to you parents. Um, If you didn't get your picture in the thing, that's okay. We have a gift for you out at the welcome desk for your graduating senior. It probably consists of ramen noodles, which is like the dietary requirement if you're graduating from high school, right? To make it through the next 10 years. So make sure that you go by and do that. And um, here's one other thing that I'll add. Uh, With a church this size, um, whatever your student or your child is going to do, whether they're going into the workforce or going off to college or whatever they're doing, I want you to know that we have folks here that can help them, that can stand alongside them if they're going into particular professions. If you want us to try and connect them with somebody who maybe has an idea of, of where they're headed, or we have connections in some of these different schools. So um, if you just wanna know, like you wanna feel better, and parents, we're here for you. Even though some of you will be partying, and you're like, yeah, like they're going. I'm kidding. Um, good morning. I hope everybody's doing good this morning. I wanna welcome you, and thank you for joining us today at Community Life Church on this stellar, unbelievably gorgeous, amazing Sunday morning. Uh, My name is Scott Verna, and I'm the lead pastor here at Community Life, and it is an honor uh, to have you here in our family room or have you joining us online. Um, It means the world to us um, that you would take the time to, to, to spend with us today. At Community Life, we love God, we love our neighbor, and we believe that our mission is to connect people to Jesus, because we believe that Jesus is the source of life. And our hope is that if you have discovered the source of life, that you, yes, will hold on to it, but then you will also take and give it to every single person that you encounter. Because we believe that Jesus has something to say about whatever it is that you're walking through. So if there's anything we can do as a church, as a family, um, to support you in life, please, please, please let us know. Um, So a couple quick announcements, and then we're going to jump into a new series. So next week, we have our First Steps Luncheon. So if you've been attending for a little while or maybe today's your very first time, uh, we'd love to have lunch with you so that we can, so you can find out more about the church, but really so that we can get to know you and share our story and hear your story and just find those connection points. It's hard sometimes in a church with this many people um, to get to know one another and that luncheon just really gives us that chance to make that first connection. Um, if you want to register for that, we've already got a bunch of people that are signed up and we want to make space for everybody. Uh, There are two QR codes in front of the chair in front of you or if you're at home, we've got them on the screen. The one on the left is an active QR code. Use that to get you all of the information that's coming up and you can register for First Steps as well as find out all the other cool stuff that's coming up. So looking forward to seeing you at at First Steps. Um, Also coming up, we have our Legacy Review Dinners. And so that's going to be on May 7th and May 10th. So if you're saying, what are the legacy review dinners? Um, Beginning this year, we had what we call our legacy gathering groups, and we pulled people together, a lot of you. And we said, what is it you love about community life? What are you struggling with community life? And where is it that you want to go? So we've taken all of those notes and all of that energy, and we've synthesized it together. And at these two dinners, we want to tell you what we've heard what we've already solved and what we're hoping to solve in the very near future, like the action plan that we've sorted out, some of the things we're still working on, but that's really an opportunity for you to know where we're going in the fall and going up into these next couple years. So I want to invite you to those. You do not have to register for them, and you did not have to attend the legacy meetings. You can just come and hear um, some of the exciting stuff that's going on. So we invite you to attend. We do have children's ministry for all of those nights, and so don't, don't let there be any barriers to, um, to come in and, and connecting. And then last, but definitely not least, uh, you know Vacation Bible School is coming up June 12th through the 16th. Um, We already have like 600 plus children registered for that. Yeah, yeah, I say the same thing every time. I'm like, oh, really? Like, sure, do we really wanna do this? Um, So why do I say that? We have a lot of people that have joined the church in the last month or so. Uh, If you have not registered your children for Vacation Bible School, it is imperative that you do it as soon as possible because I think 700 is the limit by law and Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So um, make sure that you get signed up. Take care of that today while I'm going through the beginning part of this message. Whatever it takes, get signed up. Some groups are full, and so if you look, don't be discouraged if you get in there and it's full, because between now and then, there will be slots that will open up and we'll figure it out. And Kristen's going to be mad at me for saying that, but we'll figure it out. So go ahead and and get in there and get, get set up. Amen? Okay, so today we start a new series called... Before I go, before I go, now, if you were here last week, I said, hey, guess what? We're starting a new series about the Holy Spirit next week. And you're like, well, what happened to that Holy Spirit? Um, Story. You know, I'm guilty of naming things what they are. And then I have a creative team around me that says, why are you doing that? We should be more creative. And I'm like, help me, help you, help me, right? So they came up with this great name before I go. And here is why it's named, the series is named Before I Go. Jesus... In his last few hours with the disciples, between John chapter 13 and John 18, where he's arrested and he's taken away, Jesus has and, and speaks what is called the farewell discourse. These are three chapters or four chapters, depending on which biblical scholar you're following, where Jesus prepares the disciples. Before I go, I need you to know these things. And he prepares them for what's going to happen. The main thrust behind those chapters centers around the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's work is going to be doing in that. And so my thought of naming it the Holy Spirit really would not have been a good choice because you cannot devoid the Holy Spirit from the work that the Gospel message is doing. And so studying these and thinking about them in terms of before I go, brings the full context of the message. Yes, we're gonna look at the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's responsibility in our lives, but we're going to see the message in its full context in these three chapters and you are going to see the Holy Spirit playing the role of the Holy Spirit. Here's the challenge for most churches. Most churches fall into one of two categories. They either never talk about the Holy Spirit or every single thing is about the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna tell you somewhere in the middle, understanding the role of the Holy Spirit is where we need to be, amen? So I wanna go through, study these, allow you to understand because the church world has has in many regards um, made the conversation about the Holy Spirit Difficult, weird, strange. Uh, uh. The Holy Spirit's awesome. Holy Spirit plays a role in our lives and understanding and connecting to the greater story. And uh, I love looking at this window and this snapshot of time because the, the urgency isn't lost on us. If you knew that you had three or four hours left to live and you were about to leave the keys of the kingdom in the hands of the disciples, you'd be like, "Okay, we need to talk." That's the setting by which we're dealing with in this. So the farewell discourse is just that. It's a conversation with the disciples in these last few hours. There are multiple other discourses. Think of the Sermon on the Mount. Think of the conversation Jesus has where he says the kingdom of heaven is like um, when he sends the disciples out. All of those are long sections of scripture where Jesus just has a conversation. So today we're going to look at the farewell discourse and specifically dive into chapter 14. 14. Now, before I um, unpack this and try and divide it out, I need to go ahead and say this. Um, This message today comes with a little bit of trepidation because tackling all of John 14 is a lot. So for all my teachers out there, and I know you have a bunch of them, there are usually those topics that you go into where you're like, (laughs) let's see how this works out. And you know what you have to teach, but you know how deep you're gonna have to go and you know what you're going to establish And my fear is, I don't want to lose anybody along the way, but these are important things to study. And here's what God reminded me of. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to untangle this mess for you. So whatever words I use, God's going to make it work. Amen? So I need to just get over myself, preach the scripture, and we're all going to get there at some point. So that's the hope. I'll I'll deal deal with my own anxiety and my own ego, and um, it'll all be fine. John chapter 14. We're gonna look at it in three parts, and um, I hope that this will make sense so that you can put it all together. The first part is this Jesus letting the disciples know that he's leaving, but it's for their good. So that's gonna be the first section. That's part one. I'm leaving, but this is gonna work out for you. So just hold on to that. That's part one. The second part there's more work to be done after I'm gone. So after I'm gone, that's where you get the beginning of the understanding of the Holy Spirit. And then part 3 to me is where you get to see the Holy Spirit bringing it all together. Jesus just reiterates the point, brings it all back together, and in essence, he takes part 1 and part 2 and jams them together and tells them to make sense and he almost says, if you don't get it, don't worry, the Holy Spirit's going to work it out for you, just like what I did a second ago. That's kind of what Jesus says to the disciples. All right? So so we're going to start off by looking at part 1. And um in order to understand the context for part one, you have to remember chapter 13. So some of you are like, Scott, I don't even I have no idea. John chapter 13 is the Last Supper. So for those of you who were here on Monday, Thursday, we had a table set up here. We went through the entire Seder meal. And there were things that happened in the Last Supper that happened in chapter 13. Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. Um, It's during that meal that he lets some of the disciples know that Judas is going to betray him. Judas gets up and he leaves. It's during that dinner that he also tells them that Peter is going to, to deny him three times. And he also lets them know that he's going to the Father and he is going to be leaving. So when we get to the beginning of chapter 14, they're a hot mess. The train is coming off the tracks. They're frustrated. They're lost. They're almost, in a sense, hopeless Because this Jesus that's been a rock star all of these years along the way, seems like everything's falling apart and it's not making any sense to them. That's the context by which we step into the beginning of this discourse that we're going to be sharing. Now, here's here's what I want to do so that maybe you can hold it better. How is part one best made sense? Do you remember before we had iPads and things in cars, you remember what it was like to travel and not have technology? Oh, you guys remember, right? Like I'm a Gen Xer, so I think my generation is the last generation that didn't have movies while we're driving. We had to play games with clouds (laughs) or get in trouble. And I never got in trouble. My parents were awesome. They were always make sure that things were well. But you guys remember what that was like. So imagine the pain and suffering of trying to bring your children along in the journey. Like things are terrible right now, but when we get to the place that we're going, they're gonna be awesome, Okay? So, so think about that. This is part one. Things are rough. They're hard. You know, take heart. I know this is terrible. I believe you can make it. I remember one time in our truck or our car, we were heading to Oklahoma, which is 13 hour drive. We took a flat screen TV and stuck it between two seats and plugged it in and hooked up Nate's Nintendo 64 at the time. Never heard him one time. I don't know what it was. It may have ruined him for life, but that's what we did. I, that's a squirrel. Um, I know it's rough right now, but where we're going is going to be awesome. So, so think about that. So, what I'm going to do for part one is I'm going to start you off with the first verse and then the last verse, and then we're going to talk about the theology and how Jesus builds the bridge to connect those two thoughts. And so, in part one, I'm leaving, but it's for your good. Um, Jesus, remember all of the bad things that have happened. In verse one, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. So he recognizes the fear, he recognizes they're broken, as he says, believe in God, believe also in me. So the very first statement is, I recognize that this is a bad time, this is a hard time for you, but you can trust me in this. You know the Father, you know me, you know the connection that I have with the Father. You can believe that something better is coming. Now let me read for you verse 12. Verse 12 says this. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. And so basically he says, guys, I know things are hard right now, but trust me, there's coming a time in the future where you will experience something that you couldn't even possibly imagine. You're going to do greater works than even what you've seen in me. And that word greater doesn't mean that you're going to be more powerful than I am. It just means that the the works will be more, it's hard to be more powerful than than reconnecting our hearts back to God and raising people from the dead, right? Like that's pretty up there as far as powerful things. We're going to be expansive. Our reach across the world, the, the role that we have in transformation, that's what he's talking about. So I know you're consumed with grief and fear, but hold on. If you believe in me, you're going to get to this place. Everybody with me to this point? So I'm going somewhere, but it's going to be for your good. And now he builds a theology to connect the two. And one last thing I'll say before I read it. There are verses in here that we're going to read that you've heard out of context a lot. And I love the fact that you're going to hear them in context because it'll make more sense um, when you hear them in the future and you'll be able to understand them if somebody uses them out of context. Makes sense? So here you're going to hear this in context. Here we go. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 1. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Verses 2 and 3, this is awesome. He says, In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Now those verses are, are fundamentally foundational to our Christian belief. If you've been to a memorial service in your life, these verses are often read as the word of grace, that I go to prepare a place for you, and we think of that in terms of heaven, that Jesus is going, he's going to build this place, and then he's gonna come back, and he's gonna take us to be with him, and, and that's the truth. But I wanna tell you what's, what else is going on inside of this scripture. There's something deeper, something more profound. When he says, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. The Greek word that's used for dwelling places that Jesus uses and John recalls is this word that means something more than a structure. It means something more than a structure. It means I'm going to prepare home for you. I'm going to prepare the environment, the place where you know that you'll recognize to be home. When Tammy and I travel and we turn off of I-10 and we come back and we get onto Garson Point, and we're driving over the top of Garcon Point Bridge, at some point we'll, we'll both just go, it feels good to be home. I mean, there's something about this place that feels home. We, we say it oftentimes about the church. There's something about this place that feels like home. And so through these next three chapters, this word that's used in the Greek is used where you hear the word um, uh, place, dwelling, abide, Remain, Jesus uses it to speak to the greater connection and what he's doing. That makes sense? So, yes, it could mean literally he's going to prepare a place talking about heaven, but here's what he's honestly saying, even in, in greater detail. He's saying, um, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. He's talking about the crucifixion, the resurrection, and salvation. What I'm about to do in my life, Jesus saying this, is to prepare or to reestablish the connection that was lost with the Father. I'm making a way home for you, providing you an opportunity to be reconnected, that original intent, think Garden of Eden. What I'm about to do is going to give you back that reconnection that was intended for your souls. Does everybody hear that? That's the greater narrative that you hear in this. And so here's what's so funny about this. Jesus makes that proclamation to them, and just like if you had a child in the car, the disciples start asking questions, not knowing at all what he's talking about. So here we go along in the journey. Verse four, he says, "And you know the way to the place to where I'm going." And Thomas said to him, "And we all have this job. Um, if you've got children, multiple children, whatever, you know, there's this one that's going to do this. Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we get there? Like, what's the way?" So there's the child that's like, how much longer? They're just going to let you know. Jesus says, if you, you know the way to get there, he says, I, I, I promise you, I do not know the way. Here's a verse that you've heard multiple times out of context. Verse six, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And so in context, talking to the disciples, he's saying, guys, I, I'll show you the way. The truth, I'll, I'll entangle all of the lies and all of the deceit and all of the things that trouble you so much, and I'm the life. If you want to know life, I'm the one. And if you want to get to the Father, I'm your connecting point. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There is a revealing of the Father in the Son. Here, here's a, a little thought on theology. Didn't mention this to the, to the nine o'clock service, but just a little thought. When God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments, and said, live into these, he wasn't trying to choose the Israelites exclusive of the rest of the world. He wanted the Israelites to live into those commandments so that when the world looked at the Israelites, they would see a representation of God. That's why he ultimately had to send his son Jesus to fully live into who God was because the narrative started to shift and we turned the laws into something exclusive to keep people out rather than to invite people to know the Father. And so here Jesus is, is giving us this different understanding. If you want to know the Father, look at me and I will show you the way. I'll untangle the truth. I will also give you life. And so you see that, that scripture in the context that's there. And then verse seven, he says, if you know me, you will know my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then here's the other child, one of the other disciples, Philip, verse eight, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. I hear it, you're using a lot of words. Just, just show us the father. I love that. Like just very matter of fact, once again, you can tell that they don't fully understand what's unfolding. But Jesus continues to build the theology so that they can understand. He's trying to move them from brokenness and grief and fear to understanding the greater things. He says, "'Show us and we'll be satisfied.' And Jesus said to him, "'Have I been with you all this time, Philip, "'and still you do not know me? "'Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. "'How can you say, "'Show us the Father?' Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. And so here's the theology that Jesus is building. He's establishing the connection between the Son and the Father. That if you want to know the Father, if you want to be connected to the Father, that I'm the representation. Look at me and you'll be able to understand. In the flesh, in understanding, study me. If you want to have answers for the questions, Jesus, 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 understand his life, read the parables, read the things that he had to say, and that's how you'll get to get to the Father. Check out verse 11. He says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, but if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. And so he says, Philip, listen. You can trust and know that what I say is true. You ever had these conversations with with somebody else? You can trust me. He says, but if you don't, look at what's taking place around you. Look at the sum total of the evidence and believe based on that and know that what I'm saying is true, that maybe you can believe based on um, the evidences of what you see happening. And then we get to our verse that we started with, verse 12. He says, very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and, in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. So he builds a theological bridge from being in grief, being in fear, to getting to the place to where we can understand the greater things that we're supposed to be a part of. Now let me read 13, 14, explain them, and then I'll recap and we'll put part one to bed. 13 and 14. He says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. And let me tell you, the church world has messed this up. Name it and claim it. Lamborghini, 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 poof, right? Like like we're just hoping for things. If, if If you call it in Jesus' name, it's gonna happen. Well, now I don't believe in God. That's what he said. It didn't happen, so we just write God off. Let me give you a natural thought. If I show up at your house in the middle of the night wearing all black and a ski mask and I come in and I say to you, Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office sent me here to take all your gold. I'm here in the name of the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Department. You're going to say to me, you got the count of three to get out of my house, right? So here's, here's the deal. You're not even going to give me the count of three. Steve, <laughs> take it easy now. Um Here's the deal, to to do something in the name of is to do something as an extension of. So if you are going to do something in the name of Jesus, you are an extension of Jesus, of his will, of his design. And so it's not a name it and claim it and get whatever you want, it's when you are in the flow of God and, and his purpose and his will for your life, and you find yourself in scenarios that line up with the purpose and the design that God has, and you pray and you believe it in Jesus' name, God brings it about because you are in that flow, in that rhythm praying in the name. Does that make sense? It's not just a tag on to the end of the sentence in Jesus' name, although we do that. That's shaped the way that we think about theology. But being in the will is, is, is an understanding of what God is doing is far more important. All right, so, so first part, part one, I'm leaving, and, I want, and um, but there's better things coming. Here's basically part one, deconstructing and put back together. He says, do, do not be troubled. I know things are bad, don't be troubled. I'm leaving, I'm going to prepare a place for you, home. I'm going to reestablish the connection that was lost through the brokenness, crucifixion, resurrection. Thomas says, wait, where Where are you going? Show us the way. And Jesus says, I, I am the way to the Father. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. We've talked about that. And then along comes Philip, and Philip says, all right, just, just do us all a favor. Show us the Father, and, and we'll believe you. And Jesus says, Mm-mm. you know me, and if you know me, you know the Father. And if you believe me, then what you are going to see in your life is that you are going to see yourself accomplish even greater things than what you've seen. There will be a a larger reach as you become a part of transforming the world. And what you find in part one is that Jesus builds the theology of the Father and the Son and the reconnection of Jesus making that connection for us. Amen? Everybody kind of with me to that point? Okay. Put it in a box, set it on the side. Now, Here's what I I love. Now we're gonna shift towards the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus builds the theology of the Father and the Son, now he's gonna introduce us to this awareness of the Holy Spirit who then becomes the one that activates our understanding of the Father and the Son. And so the Holy Spirit plays this role of revealing the two and revealing truth and how it all unfolds. And so he makes this statement 15 through 17, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, let me ask you, what are the commandments that Jesus gave us? There's two. We say them at every service. We love God, and we love our neighbor, right? Now, there are a lot more commandments, but Jesus knows that I can't remember them all, so he put them into two buckets. We love God, we love our neighbor. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, he said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. How long? So remember this conversation started off with Jesus saying, I'm leaving. So now he's saying, there's going to be one. If you're keeping score on what the Holy Spirit means in your life, he's with you forever. He's not going anywhere. He's always gonna be there. He says, I'm gonna give you another advocate. And so this doesn't mean a different advocate. This means another of the same. And so therefore, there's going to be an advocate that will be alongside you. The word advocate In my Bible, it's probably not the best understanding of this word, uh, means counselor or helper. So I'm going to pray to the Father, and the Father's going to give you a counselor. He's going to give you a helper that's going to be with you forever, that's going to be standing alongside you, helping you, um, and going to be present to you for all times. There's more information coming. Verse 17, he says, this is the spirit of truth. So imagine if we were honestly aware of the Holy Spirit in our life, when we are facing challenges and difficulties. Did you know that you have, a? If, if you're a believer, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you that can help you to discern truth? But some of you may not know that. I'm telling you, start tapping into that understanding and that awareness of the Spirit of God that's inside you. This, this is the Spirit of truth. So to reveal, to, to connect, to help us to understand. And then these next verses, they get a little bit confusing, but the bigger point is strong. He says, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and abide is that another version of that home and he will be in you. So here's the deal. You you know the Holy Spirit. As much as I'm kind of introducing this topic to you disciples, you're gonna know the Holy Spirit because you will feel at home. It's not going to be something that's odd or foreign or strange, but he is going to be somebody that is inside of you. So he establishes this thought in verses 15 through 17 where he brings in this awareness of the Holy Spirit. Now we go into the detail of of how this is gonna unfold going forward. Verse 18, he says, I'll not leave you orphaned, I'm coming to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And it's, it's as if Jesus is preparing them for what's going to unfold after the resurrection and with the Holy Spirit showing up On verse 20, on that day, you will know, and I love this verse, you will know that I am in the Father and you are in me and I in you. Do you see the shift? No longer is it the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Now he has included us In that conversation, I've gone to make a home for you. I've reestablished the link. And so when you discover this in your life, then we will all be together. There's a connection, there's a community, there's awareness of of our faith that is brought brought onto line by Jesus, verse 21. He says, they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them, and here's, here's the point to all this, and reveal myself to them. So you may, the question's about to come up. Thaddeus is about to ask us a question. But what Jesus says is, is those who keep my commandments, I'm going to reveal myself to them. Remember he just said, but there's others that aren't gonna know, they're not gonna see it. He's like, they're not gonna be aware, they're not gonna feel at home, they're not gonna be aware of the Holy Spirit and the power that's in there. But but those who live into my commandments, those who love, those who do those things, I will reveal myself. And so there's a little truth inside this message that says, if you wanna know the heart of God, if you wanna know God's heart better, live into the commandments of loving God, loving your neighbor, and you'll start to discover the heart of God, not just for yourself, but for others. This is actuating that calling. There's more work to be done. Um, Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, so it's so funny that John wants you to know this is not, you know, who. Um, Judas, not Iscariot, is also known as Thaddeus, one of the other disciples, said to him, Lord... How is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Now that question makes sense if you think about it. Um, they're looking for a ruler like King David. And their thought is if Jesus is gonna do something profound, surely he's gonna deal with the rest of the world. So how is it you're gonna reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him a very similar answer to before, he reiterates it. He says, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. It's talking about the indwelling. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not from me, but is from the Father who sent me. Now be careful. This is not saying that there are those who are gonna be devoid of knowing the Spirit of God. This is speaking to those, the reason why we're supposed to love God and love our neighbor, because there is a point, I believe, at which everybody has an opportunity to turn their hearts and open themselves up and for God to be able to reveal himself to them. So it speaks to the work and the design of what God has called us to do. So there's more work before I go. I want you to know that I'm going to fall down, that there's more work to be done. So you can see him laying that out. And then finally, the third part, 25 all the way down through, is where he reiterates it. He gives us some more insight about the Holy Spirit, but he kind of closes out this whole thought. He says, I've said these things to you while I'm still with you. In other words, we're coming to an end. And I'm I'm predicting this for you, I'm letting you know. But the advocate, the helper, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, check this out, if you're trying to figure out a message on the Holy Spirit, you can add these to your knowledge, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. The word peace in the Greek, arene, means to take something that was broken and put it back together as if it was never broken. This speaks to that knowledge of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit that reestablishes our connection to, God, to God's heart means that that connection is there. It's no longer broken. Jesus is, in the very nature of his life, peace for us. So my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, the Holy Spirit incarnate inside of our lives. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. So he's closing out his thoughts and he's saying, I just want you to know this is for the best. You would be celebrating. You're brokenhearted now, but you'd be celebrating because of what all of this means. Verse 29. And now I've told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. So, when everything comes crashing down, take hope. I'm telling you that there's more ahead, there's beauty ahead. Think of the three days in between his death and his resurrection. He wants them to hold on to this truth. And then finally, 30 and 31. He says, I'll no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me, but I do as the father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the father. Rise, let us be on our way. That verse had a lot of people asking questions about it this week as we went through some of our different studies. But the ruler of this world, in case you don't know, is Satan or Satan has the brokenness. This world is still broken. Um, That's why at times we look at things and we go, how can that just be? How can that be like that's so broken? That's why our home is not in the brokenness of this world. Jesus reestablishes our connection to the home that we're called to. And he, but he says, the, the, the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me. But in essence, I'm, I'm yielding my heart to the Father. And what's about to happen is God giving permission for it to happen for the greater, the greater truth to unfold. And so Jesus says, what you see happen, you may look at it and say, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. He says, I want you to know that nothing happens that the Father hasn't allowed to happen. And that's, that's the end of that chapter. And I need oxygen. <laughs> okay, is that a lot? Okay, so let me, let me try and make some sense of this by closing and sending you home. No, um, let me try and make some sense of this. I, I love this message because it is as relevant today as it was when the disciples were with Jesus. Um. This world is broken and there are times when we are fearful and we feel hopeless and we feel lost and we look around and we say, this is not like anything I want to be a part of, right? And it kind of, you can almost imagine yourself in that last place. And then you can imagine the gospel message because that's what it is. When Jesus says, listen, I know that the place that you find yourself today is all of those things. But I want you to know there is a way to live into a purpose and a design that allows you to be a part of something you couldn't even possibly imagine from the place that you're sitting today. But the way that you get there is through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to discover this life, it's, it's the salvation message. It's the gospel message. Get to know me. I'm the revealing of the Father. But, but just for a moment, I want you to hold on to this. In in chapter 13, what does Jesus do for the disciples? What does Jesus do for Judas? He washes his feet. Now, He's calling us to live into this world, to understand this pattern, to get to do greater things. He's calling us to be a part of of watching him, how he lives, how he processes in this world, how he loved God and how he loved his neighbor. He's the example. He's the one that we look at, that we focus. And here's what I want you to know today. If you're in that spot and life is irreparably broken, I want you to know that Jesus made a way for you to discover home for you to discover the lover of your soul that will allow you to connect in a way that isn't just life after this life, but allows you to experience life here and now. That's the awareness and the truth of the scripture. But it comes in recognizing for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, because there is only one person that could represent God, and that was God himself, incarnate in the son of Jesus revealed to us. And so in part one, we see the connection between the father and the son. And so I would pray, I would pray today that if you don't know Jesus, that you would connect to that greater story and allow that to be an extension of your life. And then for those of us who have, understanding the Holy Spirit's role in our life, it's not weird, kooky, strange, odd. He says, if you live into my commandments, right? Love God, love your neighbor. And as you're processing through life, those two things are active. He's not looking for good boys and good girls. Right? Isn't that what we've turned a church into? When he says, those who, those who um, oh, I gotta read it. Uh, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That, that doesn't mean go home and behave yourself, right? Like you imagine we're leaving town, we're leaving the keys to the kids, no parties. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, those who love me will keep my commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. It's active, it's transformative. The Holy Spirit doesn't just transform us. He uses us to transform the world, there's more work to be done. Jesus left this perfect gospel in the hands of imperfect people and he's called us now to go take it and use it to be a part of, of changing this world or connecting people to their true home. That makes sense? And then that final chapter, this is where you, that final section, you get to see some of those roles that as you process through and you're struggling, he's gonna teach you everything. He's gonna remind you of all that we say. Do you mind if I preach for just a second? I've got negative one minute and I'm gonna preach for you. Now, you guys get mad when I tell you the time, but I think this is so important. Um, Community Life Church um, has, over since November, has experienced growth that it's, it's inexplicable. Uh, it's, it's just crazy. And it's not just numbers. The numbers are here, things are growing. It's people that are connecting to Scripture, people that are coming to services, people that want to know more, people that are finding healing, people that are finding purpose and design. And, and you know the trajectory that started in November that even gets us to this place? As it continues, within two to three years, we're going to double in size. Now, I tell you that because of this, that I honestly believe with that information and that understanding that we have an opportunity, we also have, I'll say the word, a responsibility to prepare room for those people that are coming. So we attend about 1,250 people a week, 1,200 to 1,300. We're going to double to 2,500 in the next two to three years. And here's the exciting thing you can help to be a part of making a way for those people to connect to Jesus. But it means transformation, it means studying, it means preparing, it means attending, giving, um, serving, it means um, grouping, it means all of those things being active in your life so that you can be a part of God-growing kingdom here on this earth so that people can discover the greatest purpose they ever had. You, You know, some of you, the life that you're living, you wouldn't have imagined until you connected and you discovered Jesus. There are people in this world that will be the next evangelist. There's people in this world that will discover things inside of the medical world. There are people in this world that will have the greatest purpose and design and and we have an opportunity to reach them and a responsibility to prepare the way for them to discover. And I just wanna challenge you that that's where we find ourselves. I'm humbled every single time I get on the stage because it's not about Scott. I pray that it never comes about me. If it does become about me, I pray that God moves me out of the way because it's about connecting people to Jesus. We want to see kingdom grow. We want to see this world transformed. I'm sick and tired of the garbage. Amen? Amen. And we have something to say about it. We all, amen. It would be easy to say, God, come back. And we do pray that, but God's like, no, you're there for a reason. There's more work to be done. And that's what I'm trying to say. I love y'all and I'm so looking forward to this next two to three years and I'm gonna do everything I can to move and build and prepare and develop and, but we all have to find our place and we all have to be active. The seat that you're sitting in, I pray in two and a half years, you have to come and fight for I pray that in one year, you have to come in here and fight for it and don't you dare get mad. You've been warned in advance. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, and we, we thank you for the work that you're doing and, and Lord, we get to do this. <laughs> We get to be a part of the greatest story ever. Lord, loving people, caring for people, connecting them to the lover of their soul. And God, I pray that that we honor you in the work that you called us to do. Help us, Lord. In our own brokenness, in our own egos, and all of the things that we bring to the table, God, help us to live into this transformation so that we can connect people to your son. I pray for all of those that would open up their hearts today for the very first time. That God, they would experience true life. And that, God, they would be able to move from fear and anxiety and brokenness to a place of purpose and design and wholeness, peace. For those of us that are in that place, oh, God, purpose us. Put us in the spot. Help us to find the location that we can best use what you've given us. God, we love you. We trust you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you, if you will, to stand with me. And Kyle's gonna lead us in this final song. I know Tammy is, I don't have my glasses on. Tammy is gonna be here somewhere to pray and I'm gonna be on the other side. And um, if there's something we can pray with you about, boy, we'd be so honored to do that.
6: Come, Holy Spirit. Father, show me the Son, revive my soul again, O Spirit.
7: Thank you so much, not just for being here, for worshiping with us, for being a part of this community, but for the decisions, for the life change that you're making happen right here in our community. I tell you what, when I came in the office on Monday after the experience that we had on Sunday night with so many baptisms, so much excitement, so many of you coming out to support and love and encourage one another, my heart was full. So thank you for being that that driving force, that encouragement. that brings so much joy and love to the staff and the volunteers, to the family, to each other. So thank you, thank you, thank you for, for doing that and for being that in our community. I love it when Scott gets fired up about where we're going in the future and how God is blessing us and continuing to grow and make an impact in this community, in this world. It's it's such an honor and it's, it's almost unfathomable that God would use uh, humble servants like us to do uh, what he's called us to do to make change. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. If you're new here, if you're looking for ways to get connected, we'd love to meet you in the Next Steps room. Sign up for, uh, for First Steps. Uh, we'd love to connect for you that way. And if you're just looking for another way to grow and get, uh, get further plugged in. God, even when we don't get it right, God, I think about the disciples who kept asking questions, and you were so patient with them. God, thank you for being patient with us, for being the God who loves us and who uses imperfect, broken people like me like us to do your work. God, you you call us each to rise up and to go from this place as we read in the the last verse of the chapter. God, so I pray that you'd help us to rise up, not just rise up out of their chairs from this place, but rise out of those situations that we find ourselves stuck in and go with you. God, you don't send us out alone, but God, you have promised to be there with us and your Holy Spirit will be with us as we leave this place. And that's exactly what we need to face the challenges and the excitements, God, and the stories that we're going to be in this week. So we love you, and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. We love you all. Have a wonderful week.